Oh God, in unity and truth, confirm the church you gather in Christ. Encourage the fervent. Enlighten the doubtful. Bring back the wayward. Bind us together in mutual love that our prayer in Christ's name may be pleasing to you. Grant this to our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in union with the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In today's reading from the book of Ezekiel the prophet, the Lord challenges Ezekiel to speak God's truth to the people. If they don't obey the Lord, they are in trouble, not the prophet who tried to instruct them. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, So you, O son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from their ways, The wicked person shall die in their iniquity, but their blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not turn from their ways, they shall die in their iniquity, but you will have saved your life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In today's reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul teaches us that love is the core value of all God's commandments. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, You shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus spoke to his disciples. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If he or she listens to you, you have regained your brother and sister. But if the person does not listen, Take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the person refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if that person refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, 
and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ. I've almost forgotten how much I love this worship space. Not a lot of brick-brack stuff, not a lot of anything to distract us. It's a place where God's people get together, and it's beautiful. I love the simplicity. It's nice to be home. Where two or three are gathered in my name, says the Lord, there am I in the midst of The rabbi was appointed as the leader of a synagogue. It was a, a new appointment, and when he got there, what he found with the members of the synagogue, they didn't get along. When they gathered for services, there were some people who sat during the service, and there were other people who stood throughout the service. And the people who sat yelled and screamed at the people across the aisle who were standing. And the people who were standing, they yelled and screamed at the people who were sitting. It was a mess, as you can imagine. The rabbi, new to this synagogue, was trying to figure out, well, what, what, what's going on here? What, what did, where did this come from? And he couldn't get straight answers. So he took two representatives from the sitters and he took two representatives from the standers and he went to see the old, old rabbi in the nursing home. And he said to the rabbi, we need to know what the tradition is here. We have half of the congregation who sit through the service, and we have half of the congregation who stands during the service. And when they're sitting and when they're standing, they're shouting at each other. They're screaming at each other. It's it's awful. Tell me, Rabbi, what is the tradition? Is the tradition that during the service, everyone sat? And the old rabbi said, no, that's not the tradition. So the new rabbi said, well, is it then the tradition that everybody stood during the service? And the old rabbi said, no, that, that's not the tradition. Well then, 
We have people sitting and standing and they're yelling at each other and they're screaming at each other. And the old rabbi said, ah, yeah, that's it. That's the tradition. (laughs) I love that story. The gospel today speaks to us of how important forgiveness and reconciliation are in the Christian community. When someone hurts us, we're called to forgive. We're called to seek reconciliation. It's so important that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives us a four-step program to, to be reconciled. The first step, when someone hurts you, meet with them face-to-face, person-to-person, and talk about the situation. Maybe the person will hear that and you can be reconciled face-to-face, not Facebook, face-to-face, person-to-person. Then the second step, Jesus says that If the person hasn't changed with the face-to-face, invite two or three members of the community to come with you and confront the person so that there can be truth shared, so that there's no, uh, no exaggeration, that there's truly this reconciliation possible. But if the person who hurt you refuses to listen to the two or three witnesses, you have to move again. You know, that two or three witness thing is from the Hebrew scriptures. That was part of their tradition. Then Jesus says the next step, if they won't listen to the two or three others, than tell the church, the community. I always think about what mass would be like if we confessed our sins in front of each other be, be, during mass. Like I committed adultery and people be looking around, with whom, who, whatever. <laughs> if the person refuses to seek forgiveness and reconciliation, when the community speaks to them, then Matthew tells us that Jesus says, treat that person, treat that person as a Gentile or a tax collector. Aha, we say, we make an outcast of them. That's what you do. If they won't accept reconciliation, you, you kick them out. That's... Well, wait a minute. The Jesus that we meet in the scriptures doesn't make anybody an outsider, does he? The Jesus we meet in the scriptures is all about welcoming, bringing them into the community. When I think about that process, I think about when the two or three gather What they're supposed to be doing is praying. 
praying for reconciliation, praying that the person who hurt the other person will see the light and seek forgiveness and reconciliation. The church community is to be praying for reconciliation. Treat them like a tax collector. Treat them like a stranger. Jesus always welcomes strangers. I found a story about a young woman, a 15-year-old girl. She was jogging in a park and these two young men accosted her and they shot her and killed her. Horrible, horrible. One of the assailants was caught and put on trial. When the prosecutor told the story and showed the young girl's bloodied clothing, everyone was just taken aback. They were shocked. Awful. The young man was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. People were shocked when the young girl's father said, I am going to get to know him. I'm going to get to know this man, this young man who killed my daughter so brutally. I hate him. I don't know that I'll ever be able to forgive him. But if I get to know him, maybe then I can stop hating him. And I can see him as a son of God. Worthy of love, not hatred. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the headline? Father seeks to know the man who murdered his daughter. Though he doesn't hate him. You know, one of the best books I've ever read, I was going to say I've ever written. I didn't write it, I've read it. Uh, This book of joy, it tells the story of Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And they were talking about forgiveness. Let me read, I hope you don't mind. It's a powerful story. The man who who brought the uh, Dalai Lama and the Archbishop together says, I just want to come back to you, Archbishop, for our final question before tea. Often the people that we have the hardest time forgiving are the people who are closest to us. The Archbishop says, yes, yes. 
You have told me that forgiving your father for some of the things that he did to your mother was very difficult for you and very painful for you. And I wonder if he were here with us, if your dad were here with us, would you tell him how that affected you? And how would you tell him that you forgave him? What would you say? Imagine that. The archbishop responded, well, I would certainly tell him that I was deeply hurt by how he treated my mother when he was drunk. The archbishop then closed his eyes and he spoke very quietly and slowly as he traveled back in time. I was very angry with myself for being too small to beat him up. I mean, when he was sober, he was a wonderful person. But my mother was, oh, I just adored my mother. She was just such an incredible human being, a very gentle person. And that just made it worse. And there was a son too small to intervene when she was being roughed up. Let me tell you another regret that I have. We used to take the children to boarding school in Swaziland and about 300 miles each way. And we would overnight on the way at our parents because there were no more motels where blacks could stay. On this particular time when we were returning from Swaziland, We were going to put up at Leah's home, his wife's home, with her mother, which was not in the same township where my parents lived. We had come to say goodnight and goodbye to my parents because we were going to leave early to go down to the Cape where I was working. And on this particular occasion, I was dead tired when my father said he wanted to talk to me. There was something that he wanted to tell me. I was too tired and I had a headache and I said, no, can we talk tomorrow? And we left to go to Leah's home. And as sometimes happens only in novels, we were awoken early in the morning by my niece telling us that my father had died on the previous evening. And so I've never known what it was he wanted to tell me. I have a very deep regret. I sometimes shed a tear or two. I hope it was that maybe he had a premonition of his death And he wanted to say how sorry he was for the treatment he had meted out to my mother. And so I regret that. I can only say I hope he rests in peace. I have to accept that I missed an opportunity which was not to come back. 
None of us actually ever knows when it's going to be that moment when something quite crucial might in fact be going to happen and we turn our backs on it. And yes, I try to assuage my guilt, but it can't go away completely. The fact is that he had taken the initiative, my father, and whatever justification I had, it's an invitation that I spurned. And it is a burden on my heart and my spirit. And I can only hope that he will have forgiven me. Yeah. Jesus commands us to forgive, to seek forgiveness. He commands us to be reconciled. He commands us to let the Spirit of Jesus move us to have forgiving hearts, reconciling hearts. John, that's the kind of church we're supposed to be. I hope that will be your experience in our Christian community here at Good Shepherd. Thanks for listening to this week's service. To stay up to date on the latest news involving our parish, please visit our website at goodshepherd-sc.org.